Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of your favorite paranormal podcast called Paranormal Exposed. This is the evidence-based podcast that looks into paranormal occurrences that happen here in the United States. As always, I'm your host, Michelle, and I am a skeptic by nature, but I am really looking to become a believer in the paranormal. I am both intrigued by the paranormal and open to the possibilities of what might just be out there. Join me every Wednesday as I dive into a different paranormal topic and I present to you what is real, what is not real, and what may just be in between. I will present both the historical facts as well as the paranormal reports and we will see where the two meet. So join me in exposing the paranormal. This week's episode, we are going up to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and this story covers the Betsy Ross house. And of course, as always, before I get into the haunted reports, I do want to go over the history of the Betsy Ross house itself. This historic home was built around the year 1740, though the rear section of the house was actually added about a decade or so later. And why you hear me saying around the year 1740, maybe a decade or so later, is we can't really be sure on the exact dates, as record keeping in this area wasn't great back in the day. We were just getting into the swing of being a structured and organized country. This was pre-Declaration of Independence and all of that. So again, not great record keeping in the time. If you are a history nerd or you just want to see some history while in Philadelphia, it's a great city to do that in. And the Betsy Ross House is a great stop to add to your list as it's really convenient in walking distance to other historical places such as you can see the Liberty Bell and Independence Hall. And you could see all three of those in one day by not even having to walk that far. Anyway, getting back to the Betsy Ross House. During its tenure as a building, it has been used for various purposes. It was a tavern, a drugstore, a cigar shop, and even a tailor shop for a time. Though other than the hauntings, it is most famous for its namesake, Betsy Ross herself. And you may ask, who is Betsy Ross? Well, if you have asked that question, I can definitely rule you out as a history nerd, though I still hope you would want to check out this historic location, maybe just for the fact that it might be haunted. Now, Betsy Ross is the woman who is said to have been commissioned to make the first United States flag. After being commissioned, it is said that she both designed and sewed the first United States flag. Though, I will add a caveat, is that many historians do not 100% agree with that previous statement. What they say is that she may have made flags during this time, but it cannot be confirmed that she designed or made the first flag. But regardless, she is known as the flag maker. Betsy Ross made flags during the Revolutionary War and purportedly did so for about 50 years. This famous flag maker lived at her house known as the Betsy Ross house today. This home is said to be where she made the first flag, which is why it's so famous and important in our history. 
though it is called the Betsy Ross house and she did live here, she didn't actually own the house itself. She and her husbands actually rented here from the years 1773 to 1786. And no, I did not stutter. I did say the word husbands because as over the years her husbands did change, she really didn't have that good luck in keeping husbands around. Her first husband she married was named John Ross, and they were married for about three years until he passed away in the year 1776 when he was involved in a gunpowder explosion accident. And Betsy Ross did remarry after John Ross, though she is known as Betsy Ross, even though her name eventually did change with further marriages. After John had passed a year later in the year 1777, she ended up marrying a man named Joseph Ashburn, though he also died. He had actually been serving in the war and his ship was captured by the enemy and he ended up passing away. Though the third time did seem to be the charm for Betsy as she next married a man named John Claypool in the year 1783. The Claypool Rosses continued to live in this home, which was three and a half stories high and is really, really narrow with a lot of steps to go up from the ground floor all the way up to the top floor. Betsy and her family not only lived at the Betsy Ross house, though, they also used it to run Betsy's business out of, which was an upholstery and seamstress building, which ended up being the perfect setup for being a flag maker. Eventually, though, the family did end up moving out of the home as they needed a larger home, they were having more and more children, and they just needed more space. After the Rosses moved out in the year 1776, various businesses made use of the building, like I said earlier, the tavern, the tailor shop, things like that. Then, in 1898, the Betsy Ross Memorial Association was actually able to purchase the property with the help of donations from the community. With these donations, they were able to spruce the building up somewhat and prevent it from being torn down. They also did feature some tours and things like that so people could kind of see how it was used in a museum format, though nothing like it is today. In 1937, the home was donated to the city of Philadelphia, and the city was able to restore this historic home with the donations of a pretty prominent millionaire in the area. When they restored the home, they wanted to keep it as original as possible. They did this by using bricks and wood that would have been used in that time period, making sure everything matched. Though, to work as a museum, they did have to add some extra areas onto the home. So they added a new structure made from bricks that would have been from the period the home was built and added onto the rear of the home. They also ended up moving the front door and adding a new window to the front of the house as well. After they had purchased the two adjacent properties next to the Betsy Ross house, they tore them down so that they could add a courtyard, but also so that there was less risk of fire damage to this historic house. In the courtyard, not only can you 
sit and have lunch, kind of peruse the house, relax. This is also where the remains of Betsy Ross herself and her third husband, John Claypool, are buried. So you could visit the gravestones and pay your respects to this historic couple. Ever since the year 1995, Historic Philadelphia Incorporated has been leasing the property from the city of Philadelphia, and they are the ones who actually even manage the site today, which makes it so easy that you can go and visit this historic site. They host special events quite frequently, such as movie nights, music events, things like that. So if you want the full history tour, you can go there during their regular business hours and get an unforgettable experience. They have self-guided tours, audio tours, and even virtual tours that you can do from the comfort of your house. Inside, there are very many guides who are dressed in period wear. You know, Betsy herself is supposed to be one of the actresses that is working there. And they really kind of, from what I have read, get you into the spirit of things of how it would have been at that time. For those of you who have any physical disability where you have difficulty getting up the stairs or you're in a wheelchair or things like that, this home is not really handicap accessible. Remember I said it was three and a half stories high and these steps go all the way from the bottom floor to the top and are quite narrow. So they are difficult to do you can see the gift shop and the main floor, but you would be missing out on a lot. So you might want to kind of go in for one of those virtual tours. In addition to these tours, for those of you who are interested in the paranormal, in October, they do offer what is known as the spooky tour. In this tour, you can get more of the accounts of the hauntings and the creepy history regarding the home and the area. And from what I read of people who have visited the Betsy Ross house and in interviews, the actresses and those people, they don't really like to talk about the haunted things. I'm not sure if maybe they're told not to or they just want to focus more on the history itself. So you might want to wait to ask them about things like that on the spooky tour. And speaking of hauntings and creepy history, it is time to get into the haunted portion of this episode. Though before I do, I want to give you all a great podcast recommendation. As I know, I always appreciate a good recommendation for a new podcast I can check out. The podcast I'm going to recommend today is part of the BooPod Network, which is a network of amazing podcasts, including this one, that help promote each other so we can bring great podcasts to more listeners' ears. The following podcast recommendation I'm going to get is definitely rated PG-13. So if you don't want to hear a few little kind of almost cuss words, you might want to skip forward about a minute. And today I'm going to recommend the Shit and Bricks podcast. And this podcast is hosted by Kate and Dominic, who are a hilarious duo and have a range of fun topics they cover. You really never know what they're going to do next. It is pretty fun to listen to. So I want you to go ahead and listen to their trailer here and make sure you check out their podcast. Oh, hi there. This is Kate. And I'm Dominic. And we are your hosts of Shitting Bricks, the podcast. Every week, we'll bring you an episode of what makes people shit bricks. Is it a fear of death? Deep water? Running out of wine? Cannibalism? 
We take a warp look at these topics using examples from history that are the epitome of some scary shit. You can find us on all the regular podcast streaming services like Apple, Spotify and Google. For exclusive content including behind the scenes nuggets, links to weekly topics and maybe even merch in the future, head to Shitting Bricks Podcast on Instagram and YouTube. But for now, drop your dax, pop a squat and let's get into it. Welcome back, everyone, and let's move on to the haunted portion of the story of the Betsy Ross house. Throughout the home of the Betsy Ross house, it is reported that you can hear footsteps walking, even though there's no one around or even in the house at all. Sometimes these footsteps are on the same floor as you, such as you might hear someone behind you or in the next room, and when you go to check it out, there's no one there. But other times you can hear people walking or stomping on the floor above you, even though you know there's no one there. There have been multiple EVP sessions done in the home. There have been many sounds that have been caught, but nothing that really can be shown as concrete evidence of a spirit inhabiting this house. In addition to the sounds, many things are often spotted through the Betsy Ross house as well. This includes shadow people who are frequently spotted throughout the home and many times the shadow people kind of travel in pairs, which I've never really heard, so I don't know if it's maybe a couple or two people who were frequently together who are kind of in the shadow people realm now. I don't know. I just found that part interesting. Now, there was an event that is frequently stated to be the reason for some of the haunted occurrences. And I do want to cover that event. And this event happened in the year 1980. There was a ghastly event in the home. In the basement, there is a gift shop. And down there were two security guards who were just kind of keeping an eye on things. But it wasn't going well for the two. They got into a pretty heated argument that escalated quite quickly. Quickly. As things escalated, the one security guard ended up pulling out his gun, pointing it at the other guard, and shooting him three times. I'm not sure where he was shot, but he didn't die automatically, and he was in need of definite medical attention, as anyone would be if you were shot three times with a gun. I'm not sure what this altercation would have been about, but it must have been horrible horrible because the man was like "Mm, leaving you for dead and just left the scene leaving the man to bleed out and die. After his death haunted occurrences have been reported in the area the security guard died in. The most frequent report is sounds and that is of voices being heard there will be rustling noises And no one can figure out where the source of these sounds come from. The one sound that you would most likely collaborate with this event is you can hear a moaning sound, which may be the spirit of the guard who was dying here. Now, a couple things I want to say about this story is this is an older home. And at this time, there wasn't much insulation. So maybe people are hearing voices traveling from other floors, through the ducts, things like that. 
Also, though, it's time to get our facts straight on this story. I was able to look at the news articles published on November 4th of 1980. The story is true. The security guard was shot three times, but he did not die here at the Betsy Ross house. He was actually transitioned to a local hospital in Philadelphia where he was admitted in critical care. Also, the shooting actually occurred in the basement gift shop next door to the Betsy Ross house, not in her house at all. So the security guard shooting, while I could see something like a residual haunting event, maybe, but nobody really died here. There wasn't anything going on other than somebody getting shot and being transitioned to a hospital. Moving on a little bit, in the parlor of the home, there is actually a menacing presence that is felt. And it is stated to feel very dark, it's heavy, it's unfriendly. You're not very welcomed when you're in its presence. You kind of feel as if this presence wants you to leave. In addition to this feeling, you will also feel like someone or something is always watching you and you are never alone which would be pretty uncomfortable if you can imagine. In the attic of the Betsy Ross house, which of course has to be haunted, as all basements and attics are haunted, right? Well, in the attic of this house is the office of the director who manages the Betsy Ross house. And this room has one of the most chilling tales associated with the Betsy Ross house. The director was in her office sitting in her chair when all of a sudden she felt a large hand grab onto her shoulder and roughly jerk her back. When she turned to look behind her, there was no one there. The director was absolutely terrified and she didn't want to leave the room as she didn't want to accidentally cross paths again with whatever had grabbed onto her shoulder. She did what she thought would be the safest thing for her, which meant getting out of the house as quickly as she physically could. And the only way she could think to do that without leaving the room and having to climb down the stairs with this thing following her is she climbed out of the window located in her office, was able to reach out for the flagpole next to the window and make her escape from the house. It is believed that the entity that grabbed the director was the former owner of the home that actually died in this room in the attic. Though per an interview with the director following this one, whose last name was Mulder, their founder was actually the one that died in this room at the age of 76 after suffering from a stroke. And this interview was given to a famous ghost hunting show, which I'm not going to really mention the name, but if you're really interested, you could look it up on your own. Though, interestingly enough, you can actually view the records of this place dating back all the way to 2010 as the Betsy Ross House is a nonprofit organization. I couldn't find any director named Mulder and also their founder, is 78 years old and still alive to this day here in August of 2022. So I'm not sure kind of where that story came from. 
I did look into the previous owners that I could find and found no one who died here, though I can't say for certain that no one did die here, as again, records weren't always the best during the previous tenancy of people who lived here. Lastly, with this story, is I want you to think about how difficult it would be to jump out of a window, hop onto a flagpole, and slide down three and a half stories to the ground. I mean, that person would have to have some serious workout and ninja skills. Not to mention, this would have been the director. And if it was a woman, I mean, nine times out of ten, she might have been even wearing heels. So that makes it even more impressive. So just something to think about with this insane story. Regardless, we cannot cover the Betsy Ross house hauntings without reports of Betsy Ross herself, right? Well, visitors state that they see an apparition of a woman in the basement, and when she is spotted, she's usually sitting on the bed down there crying. But let's think about the fact that how many people actually know what Betsy Ross looks like? I mean, I knew who she was, But even while doing this episode, if you showed me a picture of her, I probably wouldn't recognize her at all. So it makes it interesting that people would just assume this is Betsy Ross, even though many, many people have lived here over the years, and it could be any woman who is the apparition. This apparition may be a separate spirit other than Betsy Ross, but it also may be Betsy Ross mourning her losses. I mean, remember... She lost two husbands while living in this house. In addition to the woman seen crying on the bed, there's also a woman seen in the basement who seems to be doing various types of housework, like cleaning, sweeping, cooking. And this is also believed to be Betsy Ross herself. But this story of Betsy Ross haunting in the basement primarily brings us all to the plot twists in this episode. As I stated before, we are not sure if Betsy Ross designed or made the first United States flag. But that isn't really a plot twist. There are, though, two big plot twists coming up that I definitely didn't expect. And these twists actually affect whether Mrs. Ross would haunt this home or not. The first plot twist is this home may not have actually ever been occupied by Betsy Ross. Yes, the Betsy Ross house may never have been lived in by its namesake. Now, most accounts that I looked into, first of all, stated that Betsy Ross lived here between 1776 and 1779. But property records do show that the Claypools did live here until the late 1780s. Now, I'm going to try and explain without getting too technical why it is believed that Betsy Ross never lived in the Betsy Ross house. Records back in the day, again remember, were not great. There were two systems that were eventually used to keep track of the structures, who owned them, and who lived in them. Though, up until the year 1785, The records were pretty sketchy, and the numbers on the homes do not coincide with the numbers that are used today. In the 1785 directory, 
We can see that Betsy and her husband, John Claypool, lived at 335 Arch Street on the north side between 2nd and 3rd Street. Though again, the numbers back then aren't the same as today, so this doesn't prove that Betsy Ross didn't live in the Betsy Ross house. The one system that categorized who lived where, the houses, the numbers, this included buildings, even like stables, outhouses, things like that, which throws the numbering way off. And if something was demolished, that would change all the numbers, right? And the second system, which was more precise, did not come for a while later. So once the second system came in, there's a whole series of conversions used in bringing the two systems together and then also bringing it together today to find out what current addresses would be in regards to the previous addresses. So sounds pretty confusing already, right? So what people did to kind of figure out what the numbers would be today, what buildings were what back then, is they used the names and addresses of people who actually remained in their homes for long periods of time, which made the conversion more easily possible. So after many, many years of research and tons of experts looking into it, not me, they have concluded that Betsy and her husband never lived in the Betsy Ross house, but actually lived in the home next door at 241 Arch Street. Though, you cannot tour 241 Arch Street, as if you remember early in the episode, I stated that the Betsy Ross House Foundation purchased the two adjoining properties and had them torn down so they could not only prevent fire, but also have the courtyard. Well, 241 Arch Street was torn down in this manner. So, the original Betsy Ross House is probably gone. The premises where it was is now the outdoor garden of the home, so technically Betsy could haunt the grounds, but all the hauntings associated with her are in the home itself, which doesn't make sense unless we count maybe because she was attached to some of her original belongings, as in the Betsy Ross house, there are some of her original items on display, such as her Bible. Her spirit could have been attached to these items, but you would more likely believe that she would be attached to something in her life after living in the Betsy Ross house. I mean, she had been gone from this property for over four decades. You would think she would want to maybe keep her spirit in the house that she lived in with her children after this, things like that. But regardless, after she left the Betsy Ross house, she and her family continued the business and her daughter actually took over after Betsy died. So it, again, seems like she'd be more tied to her new life than her old life. But maybe she is tied to this place because her and her husband's remains are buried in the garden grounds. In 1836, Betsy died at the age of 84 years old and at first she was buried in the Free Quaker burial ground, but two decades later, she was actually moved to the Mount Moriah Cemetery as the Quaker burial ground was sold off and used for other purposes after that. In 1975, the foundation purchased Betsy Ross and her husband John Claypool's remains, which kind of creepy, but not uncommon, weirdly enough, for people to buy famous people's remains. 
They were brought over to Arch Street and buried in the courtyard in preparation for the United States Bicentennial Celebration, which is quite morbid to me and pretty disrespectful. And I feel as if they were just using these people's remains to gain notoriety for the event, bring people in, things like that, which is pretty terrible. I mean, leave my remains where they are buried. Here is where the second plot twist I wanted to provide you with comes up. When Betsy Ross's grave was dug up in the Mount Moriah Cemetery, there were no remains under her grave. So what did they do? Well, not give up, of course. They wanted these remains for their bicentennial celebration. So they just kept on digging in her family plot area until they came across some unknown remains. And they figured, well, these have to be Betsy Ross's, right? They can't just be some rando person. So they dug those up, and those are the remains that are buried under Betsy Ross's tombstones today. Which sounds pretty suspect to me. It doesn't sound like these were probably Betsy's remains at all. So it sounds like Betsy Ross really has no ties to the Betsy Ross house at all. She never lived here. She wouldn't be tied to the grave other than the tombstone having her name on it, as these are not her remains. Though I suppose if you want to get technical, maybe she likes to visit the grave of her husband, as I'm assuming his remains are under there, but I'm not sure. But at the end of this, this property was used as a home for about 50 to 60 years. Um, mainly other than that, it was a business and a museum. I couldn't really find any deaths associated with this house. Um, Betsy Ross's husbands did die, but again, they were in the war. They were not in the home. And there's also no reports of male apparitions in the house other than if the shadow people are probably apparitions, I guess. Betsy did lose a few children, but again, there's no children's spirits reported here, and most of them that did pass did not pass away here. And regardless, she didn't live in the house, so even if her children had died in the house, why would they be haunting the neighbor's house? <laughs> but one thing to think about with the haunted reports is there were various epidemics and things that ran through Philadelphia during the time period this house was built. So it's highly probable that there were many deaths in the area at this time, and there's a high likelihood that someone probably did die in this house. But there are no records due to, again, the time period, but we can't be sure of who they might be. But these spirits, we can assume, are not Betsy Ross or the security guard who did not die. I would love to hear your thoughts on whether you think the Betsy Ross house is haunted or not. Maybe you've had a personal experience, proof, other facts you'd like to share. I'd also love to hear your feedback on this episode or suggestions you may have for a future episode, especially if it's something fun from your state. So make sure you tune in every Wednesday, wherever you tune in, and do not forget to leave a review and follow this podcast. You can also follow the social media for more information on each episode, including pictures, links, and much, much more. You can follow on Facebook at Paranormal Exposed, on Instagram at The Paranormal Truth, or you can shoot an email over to ParanormalExposedPodcast at gmail.com. Again, thank you all so much for tuning in, and I will catch you all next Wednesday.